We bless you, but we do thank you, Lord, all these things that we're announcing have you at the center of them. So we're very blessed, <clears throat> Lord, that we get to, that you've opened up, you open up the eyes of the blind, and you've allowed our eyes to be opened up to see the fact that, that we need your son Jesus, and he can be the front and the center of each one of our lives. And that's what we want today, Lord. We, we know you walk in the midst of your church, and we know that the church isn't this building, but it's your people who've been redeemed by your blood right out of Emmanuel's veins, Lord. And we thank you that you're here. And God, I, I pray that you'd give us a mindset that is very humble today and a heart that is very open and very teachable to your truth. And as we look at this wonderful example that you've given us here in the book of Genesis, that the principles of truth and the power of who you are would find themselves actually coming off the page and settling into each one of our hearts to mold and do the work in us that would have a finishing work the day that you call us home when we cross our finish line. So we bless you, Lord, and we ask that, that you would just glorify yourself through your church. In Jesus' name, amen. We are going to be in Genesis 41 today. So put a finger there and then turn to Psalm 105. You can't really meditate on the person of Joseph or study his life, his character. And we're talking, this is like 1,700 years before Christ came, okay? And one of the things that I think we need to remember is that Joseph didn't have all the promises that you and I hold on to. You know, he, he didn't have, you know, the rest of this book. All he had was from Genesis, from the beginning to where his life currently was at. And you and I, really, we have so much more of the fruition of God's revelation of himself, of his truths, his promises, and his plans to hold on to. So when, when we look at Joseph, and we look at the things that he experienced, the things that he went through, we really can't say how in the world could that guy do that. Because he didn't do it. It was God at work in his life. And God has supplied in our lives the power of the Holy Spirit to carry out the Holy Word so that we would be a holy people. God does not call us to do something that we cannot do. He actually equips us to fulfill the things that he's called each one of our lives to. So really, we have so much more available to us, and we need to remember that when we look at this example. Because he's really one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And, and one of the reasons he's one of my favorite characters is because of what this guy allowed God to do in his heart when the conditions of his life were absolute adverse. When he went through trial after trial after trial and what he allowed God to do in his life, he refused to take his heart in the wrong direction. Man, how Christians need to hear that today. How I need to hear that today. He lived a life with eyes off self. He was all about God's glory. He was all about doing things that honor God. He would wrestle with his own heart, but he would allow God to prevail and to have that victory inside of him. So we saw last week, right, he's already been accused falsely of Potiphar's wife, all right, heinous charge on him, accused of rape. He's thrown into prison unjustly, which was actually Potiphar's prison. We, I believe that Potiphar believed Joseph, didn't believe his wife. So he, he meets the uh, uh, two servants of Pharaoh's 
And they have these dreams, and he interprets the dreams for them. And the one gets hanged, the other one gets to go free, and he just told them, hey, remember me. All right? And just as people are, they're so faithful, when you ask them to remember you, they forget you. And this is where we pick up with Joseph in chapter 41. Verse, one verse back in, in the end of chapter 40, yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but he forgot him. So where do we find him? He's still sitting in a prison unjustly, shouldn't be there, but he's there anyhow. But there's a divine plan. So, so we see this godly man living a God-honoring life, and we find him in prison, and we can look at this and say, this is what trusting God got him. Yep. This is what trusting God got him. False accusations and unjust imprisonment. But we're in chapter 41 now, and this is where trusting God has taken him. And that's the thing that you have to hold on to, is that there's a process underway in his life. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 says to everything there's a season and there's a time to every purpose under the heaven. Joseph no more enjoyed this season that he was in than you and I do. Some of the seasons of life that we are forced to live through, endure through, and experience. But my conclusion is this. That life goal is not about enjoyment. It's about divine purpose, molding us, making us like Jesus, and in the process, developing a life that will leave an imprint into eternity. And that's what's going on in the life of Joseph. So with all this, and we can glean from his example, that really Joseph's life speaks to me to embrace where I'm at. And what's going on currently in my life. To know that God is with me. To believe that God is at work. And to settle this in my soul. God knows what he's doing. I might not know what he's doing. But God knows what he's doing. Look what Psalm 105 says. Okay, Joseph didn't see this coming. Pharaoh didn't see this coming. The other nations didn't see this coming. Nobody saw this coming, but God knew it was coming. And there's so many things that lie ahead in the future you and I have no idea about, but sometimes what God is doing is he's preparing you and I to be usable vessels and tools for the future, for the good of others. We see in Psalm 105, uh, verse 16, it says, moreover, he called for a famine in the land, and, and he broke the whole staff of bread, and he sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant. So what do you see here? You see the sovereignty of God's at operation. We don't invite God into our life to make our life easier. You know, I think that's it a lot of times, you know, that, that God's called me to an easy path. No, he's called me to a narrow path. But on that narrow path, there are difficulties, trials, and tribulations. But it's through that path, there's a process of me becoming a vessel of honor. And we see this with Joseph. So he sent a man before him, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. And literally, what that means in the Hebrew is that iron entered into his soul. Iron, you think of iron, iron is strong, it's strength. And through everything that he was going through, 
He was allowing iron to enter into his soul. What does that mean? There was a strength of faith that was developing inside of him, a strength of trust and a strength of belief going on on the inside of him that, that these trials were producing in his life. And it says, until the time that his word came and the word of the Lord, it literally tried him or it refined him or it tested him. Look at, here's the thing. As God's children, God's always concerned about making you and I a better individual as days go on, making us more like Jesus Christ as days go on. And part of the way he does that is by refining our lives. What refining does is there's circumstances where it deepens our relationship with Jesus Christ that impurities might come out of our life. And I don't know about you, but I want the junk out. Because sometimes I see there's too much junk in there, especially after walking with Christ these many years. And, and I just want to see the junk out. And this is how God chooses to do it. He chooses it through the difficulties and the trials of this life. But here's one of the things we got to understand. Joseph's being tried. He's being refined in this prison, right? Everything he's going through, all the accusations, betrayal of brothers, ripped from his home, everything. But refining is not for God to be mean, all right? Refining is not for God to be mean. Refining is for your life and my life to be meaningful. That's what refining's for. And we see it throughout the scriptures. Even Job said, when he had tried me or refined me, I shall come forth as pure gold. Why? Because the impurities are swept away through the trials of what we go in when the heat is brought into our life. You take gold and silver and, and, and you, you boil it with extreme heat and, and all the impurities come to the surface that the refiner could remove the impurities, that there be a greater reflection of that refiner, that there be a greater image, that he'd be able to see himself mirrored in, in, the, in the refining of what he's doing in our life. That's what God does. And sometimes you might not even know it today, but, but what you're going through and the troubles that are outside of your control, that God is doing a work and he's in process of making in you and me, vessels of honor and glory, fit meat for his use, that our lives would matter and that it would be carried into eternity. In all preparations to stand before the king, he's going to stand before a pagan king, but you and I someday are going to stand before heaven's king. So chapter 41. Chapter 41 is a message of hope. We see he's forgotten. People, even family may forget you. It can be very painful. But God cannot forget you. Because the psalmist tells us how precious are thy thoughts towards me, O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When we are thought about that much, we cannot be forgotten. We look at this chapter of hope. You never know what a day will bring. You have no idea what a day will bring when Jesus Christ is at the helm of your life. Each one of us, we are nearing, in the process of nearing the promises of God 
coming to their fulfillment, whether they're general, as we await the rapture of the church and ruling and reigning with Christ here for a thousand years, the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem, whether we're holding on to these general promises or maybe even the personal ones that God has told you that maybe he'll restore the years that the canker worm has devoured or that the evil going on in your life that he's going to work to the good. That each one of us, as we stay our course with Jesus Christ, we're in process of nearing the promises of God coming to their fulfillment. You see, this promise was given to Joseph 13 years prior. But it's just about ready to come to fulfillment. And so aren't the promises in the Bible for the church of Jesus Christ. And it came to pass at the end of two full years, you think, wow, two years of his life. You know, I mean, two years of his life rotten in his prison. It's already 13 years he's been ripped from his family. And, and, and we can conclude that, conclude that, man, this is so much of his life, you know. But, but, you know, for us, we measure off a temporal timeline. Yeah, it's two years out of 110 years. That's how long Joseph lives. All right, he lives to be 110. We'll find that out later as we go through Genesis. And it's two years, so it's less than 2% of his life that, that he spent in jail. I want to spend zero percentage in jail, but this is what we see with Joseph. But, and we can look at it that way, but here's the bottom line. God measures from eternity. That's how God measures. So when God's at work, remember, the purposes are always eternal. So God is measuring from the billions and the billions and the billions of years ahead. That's how God gauges the purposes that he's accomplishing through your life and mine. So two years in prison, bummer. The impact for all of eternity, nations, even, even the, the, the lineage of Messiah through his own betraying brother Judah would, would, would experience being saved from this famine because of what God did in the life of Joseph and what God and what Joseph allowed God to do in his own heart. So we see this here. And Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by a river. Now, God orchestrates situations that bring his plan to fulfillment. And he likes to do it in a way where sometimes we will know that this absolutely was totally. God. And, and we're looking at, okay, here's the thing. We're, we're looking at a pagan king who thinks he's deity. That's who Pharaoh is, okay? A little bit of an ego issue going on here. But, but God has the ability to, to get you know, his message or what he wants to convey to anyone at any place. There's nobody that can box God out. There's a proverb that says the spider takes hold with her hands and is in king's palaces. And you better believe if spiders can get into the palace, you better believe that God has no prom problems or impedances of getting into a palace and reaching the king. And he's going to do it now. And he's going to do it through these dreams that actually turn into nightmares and very troubling. And one of the scriptures I know that we hold on to and we pray a lot, and we're going to see this as God begins to move actually through Pharaoh, the same way that he did through Nebuchadnezzar, Pharaoh having Joseph, Nebuchadnezzar having a Daniel, that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and like the rivers of water, he turns it whithersoever he will. And if you believe that, you would be praying for the kings of this country, okay, that God will turn it whithersoever 
He will. So we're going to read what happens here. Behold, there came up uh, out of the river seven well-favored kind and, and, and these cattle that were fat-fleshed and they fed in the meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up after. So the dream's good so far. So then all of a sudden the other ones come up out of the river, ill-favored, lean-fleshed, and they stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and the lean-fleshed kind did eat up so even well-favored and fat kind. And Pharaoh woke up. Pretty weird, man. I got these healthy cows and these sickly ones come and they swallow them up. So Pharaoh awoke, troubled them a little bit, and he slept and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of corn came up, one stalk ranking good. And behold, seven thin ears that blasted with the east wind sprung up after them, and the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears. And Pharaoh woke up, and behold, it was a dream. All right? So it all starts with good news, but it ends with bad news. And we see here that in Egypt, I mean, these are two things that are of great high value, right? They're cattle and their crop. So God's getting the attention of Pharaoh. And it says here that, verse 8, it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled. And he sent, and he called for all, now look who he calls for. He calls for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. So Egypt represents the world, okay? And, and, and what do we see here? You know what we see here is none of the professionals could help. None of the professionals could help Pharaoh out. There was no answers. They were useless in any ability to interpret but buried in a dungeon, unknown to the king, sits a man gifted with the ability to reveal God and his plan. This is something that you and I need to know, no matter what you're facing today, is that God never shelves the usable life. He never shelves the usable life. Joseph was an individual, like Paul would write to Timothy about, who would continue to allow God to do all the purifying on the inside of him that he might be a vessel of honor fit and meet for the master's use. It means sanctified and it means useful, easy to make use of. The life God uses. Why? Because it takes good inventory of heart condition regardless of injustice, it doesn't render back evil for evil. He saw something beautiful brewing in the heart of Joseph, and it wasn't vengeance and retaliation. It was humility and what we're going to see soon, forgiveness and forgetting. So verse, uh, verse 12 Verse 9 says this, Then the chief butler said unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. So all of a sudden his memory's triggered. It's jogged a little bit. Pharaoh was angry with his servants. He put me in a ward, and the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker, and we dreamed a dream. And one night, I and he, and this is what we saw last week, we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of their dream, and there was with us a young man, a Hebrew servant to the captain of the guard. 
And we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams to each man according to his dream he did interpret. So we see what's happening here. We see that his memory is being jogged. But you know what we see with Joseph? He was forgotten by this guy for two years, but he left an imprint on him. And I think it's so important for you and I to recognize that the love and the truth that we're investing in other people might have great payoff in the future for the kingdom of God and the glory of God. And that's why it's so important that we're very attentive to our current ministries. You know, what, just being faithful with the, the little things that God's asked us to today and to continue to serve others in love the way Joseph did in that dungeon and, and to speak the truth in love the way he delivered that message. One was a good one to deliver. The other one was a hard one to deliver. But nevertheless, both of them were true and they needed to be delivered. So two years have gone by. And we see that all of a sudden, he's remembered. And look what it says here. He was a young man. And I love it, the fact that Paul would write to Timothy, let no man despise thy youth. Be thou an example of the believer in word, conversation, charity, spirit, faith, and purity. That's really what I believe to be the scripture for Gilead. It's been our hope that, that, that they would be an example to the believer growing up, being washed in the word of God and, and, and to learn to love Jesus Christ with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's no certain age you got to get to to allow God to use you or any depth of understanding of the depths of the Bible, but just to allow God use you where you're at. We look at young people in the Bible, Daniel, David, Mary. These were all godly individuals that were used for great divine purposes. And it says about him, he was young, but he was also a Hebrew. Here's the thing about him. He never lost sight of his identity on foreign soil. I'm going to tell you, we're on foreign soil. This, this right now, man, it's under the, the domain, the little G, the God of this world. He, he's having a big influence here, you know, but this place isn't our home, man. Heaven's our home. We get to come back and watch our Lord kick this place's butt and then rule this place for a thousand years. But even after that, we get a new heaven and a new earth. So while we're on foreign soil right here in the midst of spiritual darkness amongst unbelief, we need to remember our God-given identity, man. We're children of the King of God. And, and, and not to forget that. Peter didn't forget that. Peter would write to the church because it was logged in his memory that you and I were a chosen generation. We're a royal priesthood and we're God's own possession. That's who we are. And that's how you got to see yourself. See, you're not called to be squeezed into the mold of what culture or media is telling you you got to be. You know what we're to do? We're to keep ourselves on the clay of the will of Almighty God and let him make us what we've been designed to be because that's where purpose is found. All of a sudden, there was a resurrected imprint left in this guy's mind so he could share with Pharaoh. Look, at God can use your service of love and your words of truth two years, 10 years, 25 years from now. But it's really important, a heart condition that we serve God with today. Keep serving in love, Galatians 5. Keep speaking the truth in love, Ephesians chapter 4. And we told him, and he interpreted us, okay, and it came to pass, look at verse 13. 
And it came to pass as he interpreted to us, so it was. He spoke something prophetic into their lives. It was three days into the future at that time, but nevertheless, it was prophetic. And I think it's so important for you and I to keep speaking the prophetic truths of God. Keep speaking those prophetic truths. You know, it was a prophetic truths of God that really was so instrumental in my salvation. What do I mean by that? I mean, share what the book of Revelation teaches. Share what Matthew 24, the Olivet Discord teaches. Share what Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 about Antichrist setting himself up. and All these things, the, the, the things that we're seeing in our world today that are pointing to the return of Jesus Christ with Israel becoming a nation. Share these things. Because you know what? The things are, that are yet to be are going to be the things that we are at some point in the future going to say, and so it was, just like God had said to us. Verse 14, and Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. All right, so now he calls Joseph. Joseph is called, and the call is to put God on display. That's what the call is. We're going to see this with him. The call is to put God on display. Joseph's not going to go up there and try to impress Pharaoh with who he is. He's going to share with Pharaoh his God. He's going to put his God on display. And, and I thought about Psalm 40, verse 2. You know what it says? It says, God, or the psalmist writes this about God. He brought me up out of a horrible pit. And that's what we're seeing taking place here with Joseph, right? He's being brought out of this pit, this prison, this dungeon. Out of the, of the political dungeon. Out of the miry clay. Set my feet upon a rock. Establish my goings, put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God that many shall see it. That's our testimony. When God pulls us out of the junk that we were in, many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that makes the Lord his trust. We're going to watch this guy get blessed because he made the Lord his trust. Not after the promise, but before the promise. out of the dungeon and he shaved him himself and, and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh and Pharaoh said unto Joseph I've dreamed a dream and there's none that can interpret it and I've heard say of thee I've heard about you they did the same thing with Daniel they heard about him having an excellent spirit you know the wonderful thing about Joseph and Daniel's reputation is that it was birthed from their character. Reputation is what people think you are. Character is who you truly are before God. And the nice thing about their character and reputation, they were in sync with one another because they were the real deal. I've heard say of thee that thou can understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, saying, It's not me. Look at that. One of the worst things that we can do as God's people is take credit for what God is doing in our life. He reflects the glory. He gets all the attention and where it needs to go. And you know what? When our, eye, when our lives are drawing attention to God, God's going to continue to use our lives for his glory. He says, it's not me. God, so Pharaoh's getting introduced to this Hebrew God. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, In my dreams, behold, I stood up upon the bank of the river. 
All right? And we don't have to uh, go through that whole thing. He just basically tells him, because the time will keep moving here. And verse 25 says, And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. God has showed Pharaoh what he's about to do. You know, that's the awesome thing about what God chooses to do is God always gives prophetic unveiling and he always forewarns. And this is what he's doing here through Pharaoh because he's a gracious God. So God has showed Pharaoh what he's about to do. And it says the seven good kind are seven years and, and seven good ears are seven years and the dream is one. And the seven thin and ill-favored cow that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I've spoken unto Pharaoh, what God is about to do, he showed unto Pharaoh. Now remember, he has great confidence in the interpretation of this dream, even though he was given a dream 13 years ago that hasn't come to pass yet. His faith was not wavering. He didn't begin because of exterior circumstances in his life that were adverse to doubt God. His truth is love or his goodness. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, and there shall arise after them seven years of famine. And all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and a famine shall consume the land. And a plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine following, for it shall be very grievous. And for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. So he gives him the answer, but now he takes a step of faith. This is actually courage. Because he's going from interpreting the dream to giving the king, a pagan king who thought he was deity advice. And I really believe this was a step of faith and courage by Daniel, or I'm sorry, by Joseph. And I think it was a dangerous but a very necessary move. I think he knew that he had to, to give uh, Pharaoh this advice. He says, verse 33, now... Therefore, let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise, set him over all the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this. Now he's telling Pharaoh what to do. I love this guy. Let him appoint officers over the land. Take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years and let him gather all the food of those good years and come and, and lay up the corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities and that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt that the land perish not through the famine. Okay, that was the instruction's purpose. All right, that there wouldn't be a perishing. We teach the Bible, and we share with people the wonderful word of God and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ for this purpose, is that in the future, we don't want to see anybody perish. That's why we share Jesus, because we understand that the word of God is going to come to pass. We understand the prophetic truths of the scripture. Now, this was a 14-year deal, all right, but nevertheless, 
the end of the seventh year, the beginning of the eighth, they're going to see something unlike they've ever seen before. This world's on the precipice of seeing something unlike it's ever seen before. Known as Israel's trouble. Daniel's 70th week. The tribulation period. That's what the scripture calls it. But that's why the church's mission is to continue to provide the wisdom, the instruction, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that when this event takes place, that people would choose Jesus and perish not. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Wow, what, what an impact that, that he left upon Pharaoh. Now, now, remember, this guy worshiped everything. I can't imagine the, the idol worshiping, and he received worship from everyone. And now he's blown away by this servant of the true and the living God, and it left such an impact on him. He said, can we find such a man as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? By the grace of God, may all our bosses say that about us. May we have such integrity in faithfulness to Jesus Christ that when we have an opportunity to give witness, may they understand that it's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the lives of God's people. What a testimony of Joseph that this pagan world ruler, really at this time, would proclaim that about him. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God has showed thee all this, there's none so discreet and wise as you are. Thou shalt be over my house. And according, he's probably going to tell Potiphar, hey, why don't you tell me about this kid? And uh, thou shalt be over my house, and according unto my word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. Second in command. Okay? Second in command to Pharaoh. Prime minister, maybe, whatever title you want to give him, but we know that this is the number two guy right underneath Pharaoh. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. Promotion is for the purpose of having a greater sphere of godly influence. That's what promotion is for. Psalm 75, 6-7 says, Promotion cometh neither from the east nor the west, nor from the south, but God. He's the judge. He puts down one, and he sets up or exalts another. We're going to see him put into power in Egypt. But that power in Egypt that he would step into was preceded by the pit of betrayal. It was preceded by the palace of being a slave. And it was preceded by the prison of injustice. But I believe that we've got to get it into our heart that the trials of today are for the purposes of tomorrow. And it takes faith to believe that. And Joseph's life's an example of that. Look at verse 40 through 43. Thou shalt be over my house, according to my word, unto all the people you're going to be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I've set thee over all the land of Egypt. 
And Pharaoh took off his ring in his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vesture of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. He went from the iron chains of a prison to the golden chains of rulership. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, bowed the knee, and made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. You know, Proverbs 28 tells us a faithful man will abound with blessing. And that's what we see in the character of this individual. But you know, I look at that and I think, you know, one of the things that encourages me, we see him taking off his shackles of iron, wearing that chain of gold, standing before the king. You know, someday we will be transferred from the shackles of living in this cursed world, clothed in the weakness of our fallen flesh, to no longer live under the curse of sin and death, and we will be called before our king. The way Paul the apostle was when he said, the time of my departure is at hand, that will be our release. Departure or rapture. And we go and we stand before our king. The Bible says that we're all going to stand before him. We must all stand before the judgment seat, the reward seat of Christ for the Christian. And faithfulness will be our eternal reward and then our promotion. Because you've been faithful in little, I will make thee ruler over much. There's a picture here of what the believer's life can be if we stay the course, keeping Christ preeminent in our life, paramount in our life, first and foremost, continually, always, the way that Joseph did in his relationship with God. But we see here that God honors the life that honors him. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I'm Pharaoh, without thee shall no man lift up his hand or his foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called his Joseph's name something I cannot pronounce. And he gave him to wife Ashenoth, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. And Joseph was 30 years old. So he's 30, 13 years he's been doing this, okay? So, look, at he's... He came into Egypt when he was 17, 13 years in Egypt, and 13 years he refused Egypt to get into him. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh, went through all the land of Egypt, and in the seventh and years, the earth brought forth by the handful. Literally means the fistfuls, you know. This year, I had, I got a cherry tree that delivers me bumper crops every other year. And this year, I mean, you talk about fistfuls. All I had to do is put my hand on it and just pull. And I mean, I would have just handfuls of, of cherries in my hand. And we look at this, in that interpretation, handful literally means full hands, that it's just overflowing from your hands. That's how much was produced in those years of plenty. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt, laid up the food in the cities, the food of the field, which was round about every city, laid he up the same. And Joseph gathered corn, or literally wheat, as the sand of the sea, very much until he left numbering, for it was without number. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of the famine came, which Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of Am, bare unto him. And look at this, kind of important here, verse 51, it says, And Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh. All right? He's given them godly names. So we understand that, that Joseph was a godly man. 
and he exercised godly influence in his home. For God, said he, he has made me to forget all my toil of my father's house. Manasseh, meaning that he chose to forget all the things that he'd went through. It's a God-honoring amnesia he chose. You know, Paul said this, this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind, I reach forth unto those things which are before. We look at Joseph, and he's so much like Jesus, both of them experiencing rejection, accusations, abandonment, rejection. But you know what? Forgetting those things and pressing on. And, you know, there's some things that happen you just can't forget. But I believe the one thing we can do, we might not be able to forget, but we can forgive. And forgiveness, every one of us in here have been wrong, probably of some injustice somewhere along the way. But forgiveness is a work of God. But God waits for us to choose that in our lives. And the moment that we begin to choose the path of forgiveness, we find God beginning to produce that work of forgiveness in our lives. And I believe that's what took place here in Joseph's life. He named his own son that to remind himself, you know, he had a Manasseh attitude. You know, I'm forgetting all that stuff behind me because I got a life before me. And I want God to use me. And because of that, he said, God has made me forget all the toil in all my father's house. And then the name of the second called he Ephraim. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Look what happens. This forgetfulness brought him to the place of fruitfulness. All right? We can't, we can't have a Holy Spirit-filled life bearing the fruits of the Holy Spirit when we're harboring all this stuff in our life that God doesn't want there. That's why it's so important to allow God to work to refine in each one of our lives that he might extract the impurities from us and give us the ability. Maybe we can't forget everything, but we can choose forgiveness and we can ask God to work it in through our lives. And the seven years of plenteous that was in the land of Egypt were ended, and the seven years of dearth began to come, according as Joseph had said. And the dearth was in all the lands, but in the land of Egypt there was bread. Why? Because there was a loving God that chose to use a cooperating, faithful vessel. And when the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread, and Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph, see what he wants you to do. And a famine was over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptian, and a famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. And look at this, And all countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy wheat, because that the famine was so sore in all the land. God working through his people for salvation purposes. Look at he was a conduit of life to others. If it wasn't because he allowed God to do in and through his life and to speak in and through his life and to carry out the revelation that God had given him in his life, think about how much perishing there would be. But he became a conduit of life to others because he just did life God's way. Think about the testimony this must have had to other nations. They came here, well, how did... We don't have anything. We're, how did Egypt know to store up for all this? No way they brought this famine on, on the land. And, and, and think about, you know, just might, what might have been spoken to them. How did this Joseph know? 
because he serves the God of the Hebrews. And the God of the Hebrews told him. And the God of the Hebrews was right because the God of the Hebrews is true. Thinking about that impact. We look at him forgetful, right? <laughs> he gets put in charge, you know. You could have said, uh, I'm in charge now. Uh, where's Potiphar's wife? Where's that butler? You got to talk to them. No, put all that behind him. Brought him to a place of fruitfulness. You can stand. We'll close in prayer. So through the midst of all the refining, God was doing a work to bring him to a place of bringing God's plan to fruition through him. And I believe that Joseph, as he's sitting in glory today, has no regrets. You know, yeah, my life was tough, but I got no regrets. You know why? Because I'm in eternity. None of that stuff matters now. But his life also proclaims to you and I, we can be fruitful in our times of affliction. I want to encourage you to stay close to Jesus. Stay your course. Keep your hand to the plow. Don't look back. Don't let circumstances define to you anything about your life or God. Just be faithful to him. Watch his plan unfold because he loves you. Father, we thank you that we are loved to a degree we can't even understand. We look at your work in Joseph's life and it reminds us that you are sovereign, Lord. We might not understand what's going on today or what's going on in each one of our lives or overall in this world, Lord, but this is the one thing that we do understand, that you're a loving God that's in control of all things. And I pray our souls would find peace in that and that you'd bless your people with peace. We give you all the glory. We thank you for examples like this. May we continue to glean. May the truths come off the page. May they plant seed in our heart that would bear forth fruit for your glory and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. If any of you need prayer about anything, come on up. God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord.